Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome along to the Big Red Bench this Saturday. Coming up on the show, Dylan O'Connell is going to join us to chat all things Cork City. Not a good night last night, 3-1 defeat away to Drogheda United. But good news for the women's side in the Cup today, getting a big win in Dublin. Munster are in women's interprovincial action against Leinster. It's 19-12 there at the moment in Donnybrook. We'll keep an eye on that. Loads of action in the Premier League. Man United were 2-0 down. They came back to win 3-2. Arsenal dropped points against Fulham. We have all the reaction to those results. Evan Ferguson has started up front for Brighton. It's currently 1-0 to West Ham, though. And we look ahead to Ireland versus Samoa tonight. All of that between here and seven. You're very welcome along to the big red bench here on Cork's Red FM. It's Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock, 0868 104 106 if you want to get in touch with us or at Big Red Bench on Twitter. All right, big day of action, of course, in the Premier League. And uh, it's not easy being a United fan these times with a lot of hope coming into this season. And they're really, they're really playing with us. But it wasn't all doom and gloom. They did get the job done. Before we get to that result, let's get uh, some reaction and hear about that goal uh, between Brighton and West Ham. It is West Ham who lead 1-0 in the Premier League. Alan Lewis is at the Amex. It's Brighton nil. West Ham United won a mistake down the left-hand side from Adam Webster. Gave the ball away to Mikel Antonio. He dribbled the ball into the penalty area, laid it off, and there was James Ward-Prowse to score his first goal in a West Ham shirt. It's Brighton nil. West Ham won. What a signing James Ward-Prowse has been for West Ham, and I think everybody could see that he was obviously going to be a good signing. Why didn't other clubs go in from? Um, he's, he's made a massive impact to that West Ham side, filling a void, of course, left by Declan Rice as well, which isn't easy. They've spent that money fairly well, West Ham. They looked a bit looked a bit shaky at the start, but uh, David Moyes' men would be a huge result if they got uh, one here away to Brighton, considering Brighton very well looked like they could definitely be finishing in European places again this season. But, of course, they do have to deal with Europe themselves uh, this year as do West Ham of course Conference League champions so be interesting to see going into the winter how they do uh, United they did beat Nottingham Forest in the end 3-2 at Old Trafford here's Darren Stanage Manchester United 3 Nottingham Forest 2 what a game at Old Trafford it had everything the Reds 2 down inside the opening 4 minutes and one year made it 7 straight games with a goal as he slotted home Gibbs White's free kick headed home by Bolly to have the Forest fans ecstatic United got one back through Ericsson on 17 that was 2-1 at the break after that a clever free kick involving Bruno and Rashford led to Casemiro equalising then came a Forest red card skipper Warrell sent off for denying an obvious goal square opportunity with Fernandez through Rashford then fell in the box by Danilio Rashford uh, handed over the ball to Fernandez who converted and that completed the turnaround 11 minutes of time added on we played 13 real end-to-end stuff but the Reds held on Manchester United 3 Forest 2 yeah 103 minutes of that as if we needed it you know thank God there was only 3 minutes added on in the first half what were they doing for those first two goals? It's some of the worst defending I have seen in a long time. The first goal, why Rashford is the last man back on an attacking corner for United, really has me dumbfounded. You know, uh, Wamasaka should be doing better with that header. And then just, oh yeah, let your man go free in the box. Don't bother challenge him at all. And 2-0, uh, very lucky to get back 3-2. Although, to be fair, United played first off the park after it went 2-0, but... Oh, shaky times. Uh, finished up to all between Arsenal and Fulham in the Premier League. I didn't see this. I really thought Arsenal were going to deal with Fulham fairly handily. Fulham have been quite poor to start off the season. Here's Guy Swindles. Arsenal 2, Fulham 2. Thrilling London derby. Pereira giving Fulham the lead as they took advantage of him at the stake by Saka in just the second minute. But after holding on to that lead for more than an hour, suddenly things went south as far as Fulham were concerned. Saka, uh, definite penalty on Vieira. Saka rolled the ball home. It was one all. Then moments later, with Fulham with a man down injured, uh, saw Enketia sweep the ball home at the far post. The goal stopped. 
stood Arsenal in the lead. Bassi was then sent off for a second yellow card when he fouled Enketia, and it looked all over, but just before the full-time whistle, up cropped uh, Jao Polinia to roll the ball home from a corner that Fulham had won on the break, and this thrilling match ended Arsenal 2, Fulham 2. Yeah, we'll get back to that in just a second. It's another try for Leinster up in Donnybrook. It's now Leinster 26, Munster 12, 58 minutes gone. It doesn't really matter. Munster are in the finals, which are on in Cork next week. Big excitement for that, of course. Um, but it would have been nice to go three for three, wouldn't it? Um, but look, at, let's see. They're, they're into the final next week anyway, so uh, we, we'll fret not. Uh, Arsenal boss Mikel Arteta tells Sky Sports News that today's results to all against Fulham in the Premier League was frustrating. With all the effort that we made the situation we generated chance to chance the attitude of the boys and you go through one up and then with 10 men the game is done and you give a ball away you give a corner and then you have to defend that box with your life so you want to gain wins in the, in the Premier League and, uh, and we didn't do that well enough. All smiles on the uh, white side of North London Tottenham beating Bournemouth 2-0 away from home in the early Premier League game and Pasichoglu has made a big impact and maybe, just maybe it was actually a good thing that uh, he was able to sell off Harry Kane you know um, no, obviously would they be a better team with Harry Kane in it? Possibly would Ange Pasichoglu be able to have the impact he's having if a character such as Kane was still in the club? Maybe not uh, look, we'll never know. Either way, they're playing quite well, our Spurs. Here's Alan Seabrook, who was at the Vitality Stadium. Well, it's finished Bournemouth nil. Tottenham 2, back-to-back wins then for Spurs, who under leaden skies took the lead on the 17 minutes when Basumu and Sarr combined to play in Madison, who finished coolly from 10 yards and was... Bournemouth rallied towards the end of that first half. It fell to Tottenham to complete the scoring on 64 minutes. A dogie and Son down the left-hand side with a dogie pulling the ball back from the dead ball line for Kuliszewski to slot home from closer range. Spurs then unbeaten and looking good, while Bournemouth still looking for their first win of the campaign. It finished Bournemouth nil, Tottenham 2. Yes, seven points from their opening three games. Pasichagu says it was another pleasing performance. Yeah, you know, even in the moments where we weren't totally in, in control of the game, you know, we never really let them threaten our goal. I thought our defensive work was really good, especially, you know, middle and back third um, to keep them away from our goals because they have threats. And uh, his former side Celtic dropped points in the Scottish Premiership for the first time this season. They drew nil all at, with St. Johnson. At Parkhead earlier on, Rangers beat Ross County 2-0. Um, it means the boys are still one point clear of their Glasgow rivals at the top of the table. Uh, it's finished up one all between Brentford and Crystal Palace. Uh, that was earlier on, of course, in the Premier League at the GTEC Community Stadium. Here's Ryan Bromelow. Full-time, Brentford won, Crystal Palace won. The Bees continue their unbeaten start to the season. Kevin Sharder was sparkling and fizzed the host into an early lead, dancing into the box from the right to steer into Johnson's far corner. Palace found parity with 14 minutes of normal time spare Yoki Manderson with his second goal for the club a given go on the edge of the penalty area but he continued his run on to just prod over the line beyond Flecken he was imperious to shut out a late Brentford charge it ends all square the final score Brentford 1 Crystal Palace 1 yeah and uh, more bad news for Everton and it's just looking terrible at the moment and Sean Dyche which I don't think many people would have thought he'd be in line to be the first manager sacked this season. His favourite at the moment, Shane Pennington was at Goodison Park where Wolves beat Everton 1-0. Everton 0, Wolves 1. It's the visitors then who get their first win of the new campaign after they survived numerous Everton missed chances to get a real smash and grab win here. The goal came four minutes from time when Sasa Kaladzic headed home from six yards. Prior to that, the hosts had missed a whole host of chances with Dan Juma and Branthwaite, the main orchestrators, as Everton need for, for more firepower was there for all to see as we head into the final couple of days of this transfer window Everton nil, Wolves 1 Still 1-0 to West Ham in the late game against Brighton 50 or sorry 38 and a half minutes gone there uh, all right here at home in the League of Ireland's Premier Division Sligo Rovers face Shelburne at a quarter to wait in the Women's FAI Cup we'll hear more about this uh, in our chat with Dylan O'Connell Cork City beat Turn your United 5-0 in the second round uh, Fina Bradley with a brace elsewhere Piemont beat 3 United 3-2 after extra time in Limerick 
Wexford Utes lead Dealer Waves 2-1 approaching halftime at the UCD Bowl at Tallis Stadium Shamrock Rovers lead Killester Donny Carney 2-0 early on and the 7 o'clock kickoff sees Athlone Town host Galway United Right the big story in world football is coming from Spain and Spain's entire coaching staff from their Women's World Cup win except for the manager Horge Vilda of course have resigned six others involved with the national side at various age levels have also quit they say they they want to show solidarity with player Jenny Hermoso, who was kissed on the lips by Spain FA boss Luis Rubiales following the final. And uh, yeah, it's just it's such a bizarre story. Um, and Rubiales today, he's been given a 90-day suspension by uh, FIFA. He refuses to step down from his position, uh, stating he will legally defend himself. And he got a round of applause as well. Pure Wolf of Wall Street stuff at the press conference yesterday. Round of applause, I saw you know managers of clubs there um, I think I'm not sure if, it, if, if it's the right guy I'm thinking of but I'm pretty sure the Sofia manager was shown giving Rubiales a round of applause as he stood there and basically said he wasn't leaving um, in that you know uh, <laughs> that, that Wolf of Wall Street way um, he refused to step down Sky Sports correspondent Rob Harris says it's Rubiales refusal to resign that has caused FIFA to act it seems to be that that's led to this escalation of the FIFA response, deciding to provisionally suspend Rubiales for 90 days. This prevents him staying in any domestic post, in any international role in football. So this is a real strong response by FIFA. Yeah, and look, that story changes hour upon hour, so uh, we're just going to have to see how that one progresses. Um, all right, tonight offers a final chance for some Ireland players to stake their claim for inclusion in Andy Farrell's World Cup side. Ian Henderson captains a much-changed Ireland side. They take on Samoan Bayon from 8 o'clock, uh, 7.45 actually, I think that throw-in is, or kick-off is, should I say. Jack Rowley starts at about half. Big night for him. Great. Uh, it'll be great to see if he can uh, make an impact and uh, you know stake his claim for being back up for the World Cup probably has a lot to do we'd have to have a really really good game to to, to really leapfrog Ross Byrne um, but our is Ross Byrne Jack Hardy either, either one anyway, hopefully he's a good game tonight uh, England's miserable form continues they've lost to Fiji for the first time ever 30 points to 22 the final score Wickenham or <laughs> Twickenham should I say and uh, Eddie Jones must be having a good chuckle to himself uh, in the Australian camp uh, Munster as we said they're looking to make it 3 from 3 don't think they're going to uh, at this stage uh, just get a quick score update if we can from there uh, into the final next week anyway of the Women's Interprovincial Championship it's 26-19 um, Dorothy Wall has crossed the line for her second of the day for Munster so uh, just a try in it at the moment um, Athletics no Rashid Adleke she's pulled out she looked exhausted to be fair at the end of the 400 metre final but Ireland are in 4 by 400 metre relay action this evening at the World Championships. That's due to get underway at 5-7 to seven this evening in Budapest. Um, in golf, Kinsale's John Murphy's best of the Irish at the Czech Masters in the DP World Tour. 400 power round of 68 today. So he moved to 10 under all round. It leaves the Corkman in a tie for 20th and 6 off the lead only. Patrick Carrington's back in 400 power. Shane Lowry missed the cut. Lowry probably not going to make the Ryder Cup, I would say. He really needs to impress this weekend. Can't see him doing it. Patrick Harrington nearly has a better shot, I would say, of making the Ryder Cup. He's been in far better form. And that experience, obviously, the previous Ryder Cup captain. So, um, you know, giving Luke Donald a decision. But Shane Lowry, I don't think he's going to make it. Uh, Rory McIlroy, solo seventh on the leaderboard as he prepares for his third round of the Tour Championship at East Lake in Atlanta. He'll see off from 10 under par just before... Half seven Irish time, six shots off the lead, and it's shared by Colin Marikawa and Victor Hovland. All right, last night, um, not a fruitful journey to Loud for Cork City. They lost 3-1 to Drogheda United. Here is interim boss Liam Buckley speaking to LOI TV after the game. Tough one to take for a number of reasons. Yeah, it's very disappointing, uh, especially the second half. That first half wasn't too bad. We had three or four the better chances. I know we dropped a one or two, but uh, thought we'd done really well in the first half. You had a bad second goal, it's probably a different game. But the second half was just poor. 
but the turning point in the second half was the second yellow card which even from our position looked, looked fairly harmless and fairly soft what were your thoughts on that? When you've seen it it is soft you know kind of way there is two hands on them and that would be perceived as a push or whatever I think that warrants a yellow card as far as you know but it's just as soft from our point of view did you see that as the turning point in the game though because obviously draw had then have yeah. the, the kind of sent the blood yeah they've you know, so had more of the ball in the second half then from that because we set up not to lose um, then when you can see it that way uh, it's difficult but even in terms of you know when you when you got pegged back to one all like Rory hits the post you were still a threat you threw Jays on you were still a threat on the break and we were saying in the commentary you, you looked like you could still snatch, it, snatch a winner there yeah, you just need a bit more composure uh, in front of the goal. You know, kind of we did have half dozen good chances over the whole game. You know, kind of way. And as another day, if you get back that second goal at one 0 it is a different game. We talked before the game about the new players that came in. Um, thought Warman was excellent. Obviously, maybe just ran out of legs a little bit. But the players that the new face that came in, I think all of them contributed really well. I think they all look like they they, they have a real part to play in this team. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they've, they've settled in well. You know, there's still eight games to go. Uh, there's an awful lot of points we won and lost. Uh, so we'll just have to bite the bullet on this one and move on. We talked before the game about whether this was a must win, and you said that if it went to eight points, that'd be a bit of a mountain to climb. I suppose yeah. it, it does make the Sligo game next week. A real, a really must-win game for you. Yeah, no, <laughs> they're all must-win games in your position, you know, kind of way. And you know, we will give a, a, a hopefully a good account of ourselves next week. So I go and see how that goes. Obviously, if you lose that one, you have got a mountain to climb. Can we climb the mountain? I don't know. We've got, to, but we, all, I, all we can do with our group is try and get them to perform better. If they did perform better in the second half, I just thought we. Now, obviously, the second half had an impact on it, but uh, I just disappointed we didn't retain the ball better. And just finally, the the penalty that was given, it was down at this end again. It looked a little bit on the soft side. Did you get a good view of that? What did you think? Uh, I, in fairness, I didn't see enough of it to say it was right or wrong, you know, kind of way. But uh, I know the lads weren't too pleased with us, so I don't know. The effort, though, from the squad, the, the fitness levels that were there against, the, you know, a man down, um, you know, Connor Joyner makes a, a 50 yard run in that second half when you should have been yeah. out in your feet. But the effort from the squad was, was impressive tonight, yeah, if nothing look, else. Look, they're all working hard and they're all aware of the situation we're in and the pressure we're under etc etc the only way to get to, rid of that pressure is by winning matches so we just have to t- we have to make a win somewhere you know the kind of way so we can actually build something on that I know we beat Warren from last week in the cup different competition from the league's point of view listen we've got Sergio next week we'll have to go and be at our best and try and beat them thanks Liam Cheers. Alright, like to say I'm joined on the line by Dylan O'Connell to uh, look at what's been going on in the world of Cork City this weekend. A busy one, of course, between last night's game in the Premier Division of the League of Ireland and today's game in the Women's FAI Cup. I suppose let's start with last night so we can end on a good note at least with, with the women's uh, women's side later on. Um look, you were you were there, you were in, in Drahada last night, um three one defeat for Cork City. What was the mood of the travelling fans there after the game? It was one of frustration because they played so well in the first half. This day, Kevin Kutovic scored the first goal. That put City 1-0 up. And if they got a result in Drogheda, it would have, I suppose, it would have pulled them right back into into the relegation mix. It would have really boosted City's chance for getting a result towards the end of the season or to, to stay up automatically as opposed to the playoffs towards the end of the season. And then the way the second half played out and the fact that it was the sending off was kind of that moment where the kind of the move among the City fans was just like, yeah, this it's going to be an absolute nightmare to try and to try and get out of here now with a result, and that's exactly what happened. It was the sending off completely changed the complexion of that game. Yeah, and look, obviously the sending off is a big moment. Um, I mean, it was one all with about five minutes to play, wasn't it? And we've just seen this too many times this year towards the end of games with, with Cork City, haven't we? Yeah, and like you couldn't really like it's. It, it comes too easy when I think of results where they've dropped points or when, when they drop points from winning positions they drew one all with UCD at home they drew one all with Drogheda United at home and they were both 1-0 up in both of those games they were 4-2 up against Shamrock Rovers in Tallis Stadium they were 2-0 up against Sligo Rovers in the showgrounds they were 1-0 up last night against Drogheda like I'm just rattling off these results off the top of my head yeah. I haven't done like pages and pages of research these just stand out because again you know, if something happens once in the game, look, you, you go two little up and you can see twice, like whatever, that that happens. But the fact there's a recurring problem of them not being able to capitalise on winning positions, that shows there's something wrong with how they're playing, sense of belief, and it's ultimately what has dragged them into the relegation scrap. And it's happened under 
different managers as well. Like it happened at, towards the start of the season. Uh, it's the thing we're, we're looking at, you know, starting off the season when Colin Healy, um, he obviously he never had the side that w- was going to be capable of, of probably staying up in the division. And even as Liam Buckley has come in, he's brought through a raft of signings. Is it the squad? Is the squad just still nowhere near being being able to to stay up in the division? They went up with the same squad that played in the first division, but like the only big, I suppose, noticeable absence abs, absence was David Harrington, the goalkeeper. And there's a big difference between Premier Division football and First Division football. And you saw that last Monday in Turners Cross when Cork City played Waterford the FBI Cup, and they comfortably beat Waterford three 0 so there is a big step up there and like you're, look, you're looking at amateur team or not amateur but semi-professional teams who might train two nights a week and play on a Friday compared to the Premier Division we have teams like Shamrock Rovers, Derry City who have huge financial backing behind them and it's very hard to compete there and like Shells I think were in the similar position back in 2020 when they got promoted after winning the first division and they did get relegated that season through the playoffs and they won the first division the following season and they learned their lesson by gutting the squad and they just cleared out everyone and brought in a raft of new signings over the winter when Damien Duff took over. So it's there might have been a sense of naivety there on City's behalf, but it's it is quite worrying because I suppose it's the same it's the same it's how many times can you turn a corner and still be in the same position? Yeah. Yeah, and like eight games left could well be eight points away from eighth place after tonight. Desperation time. Like it's been desperation time for quite a while now. Like <laughs> Possibly, the yeah. last time you could honestly God say that the city were on a good run of form was at the end of May, start of June when they won four Premier Division games in a row. The last time they actually won a game of the Premier Division was the June Bank Holiday Monday. Yeah. Which is quite like which is quite a long time ago and since then they drew away to the Pats, they drew to U C D, they drew at home to draw to United they're the results of stand out so like it's been a slow terminal decline into this where they've gotten sucked into it where they went from you know being at odds with three or four teams to now being cut adrift and like they're now kind of I suppose hoping the Sligo Rovers don't get a result against Shelburne tonight because if they do they could end up uh, they could end up was it six or eight points I need to double check yeah, the table it'd be, it'd be eight. if Sligo win tonight it's going to be eight points and you're not going to make that up with the games yeah. left in the season at that stage you're just meant to be preparing for a playoff Exactly. Well, I, that was going to be my next question. When do you start looking at the the possible playoff opponents? And obviously, look, you said already there there seems to be no other uh, alternative universe where Cork City don't end up in that relegation playoff this season. Like you're relying on another team completely collapsing more than like yourself building momentum. Like City could win every game for the rest of the season and still and still lose a playoff final. Like you're literally relying off another team collapsing, and it's. It's very much out of your hands that in, in that situation. So it's, but even at that though, how do you prepare for a playoff? Because again, you will have Waterford, Wexford, uh, Bray Wanderers, I think, and Cole Ramblers. And like again, the playoffs, anything is anything can happen in a playoff situation. Like Waterford, for example, they've never gotten promoted through the playoffs. Just the stat that stands out to me. And Waterford went up last year to play Galway United. Did a freight train of momentum behind them. They beat Galway United who finished second to Cork City, uh, 3-0 in the market fields in Limerick, and they played UCD, up, and UCD beat them 1-0, so like, the playoffs is very much about the game. It's it's very much, it reminds a lot of the, of the postseason American football, where like anyone can beat anyone, so it's you're, it's a massive gamble for City, because again, they won't know who they're playing until the fight is beforehand. And as I am ever the optimist, as anyone who knows me will say, the one good thing then to to pull out of it all is that Cork have been going quite well in the cup which maybe in the one-off playoff game could actually board bode quite well for City yeah and like I'm a firm believer that a rising tide a rising tide lifts all boats like if City go on next year uh, or if City go on beat Wexford in the cup which is a nice draw at home all things considered get to a cup semi-final might get a cup semi-final at home on Turner's Cross you pack the cross on a Sunday afternoon or on a Friday evening because it's a cup semi-final who knows what could happen it's a one-off game it's a cup competition and like see even like Liam Buckley said it himself you don't have to be the best team to go far or win a cup like I'll give it, I'll give an example here back in 2018 Cork City's form towards the end of the year was terrible they still progressed through the cup they played the Bohemians team that actually had a freight train of momentum behind them in the semi-final of the cup they drew it all in Daniel Park and they won 2-1 in Turners Cross so like it all depends on the day and 
straight away then if they get to a cup semi-final it just it just creates a sense of positive you're on the place that you know they're doing something right and you can carry it on to a playoff because as you said it's, it's cup football at the end of the day so they'll know how to dig in and win games because playing a cup game is very much different than playing a league game and uh, another side who are doing well in the cup of course are uh, the Cork City women's side who had a big win at Richmond Park today against Ternier United 5-0 Brace from Fianna Bradley as well Uh, good day for them yeah fantastic day for the club after what's been I suppose a very difficult week last week when they lost 3-0 to Colby United at AMDC Park so no it's a fantastic day for Danny Murphy and the team because they are working hard behind the scenes and they are quite a young squad like Fianna Bradley's only 15 Kerstin is a teenager like the oldest player in the squad is Kira McNamara and she's 26 and that's no age for like a player of her position but no, it's a fantastic result for Cork City women uh, who seem to really, I suppose, found themselves in cup competitions, especially after what they did in the all Ireland Cup. Yeah, and like you said, it's been a difficult season bar for the, for the couple of ro- cup runs now. So another one at this time of season could really give them a boost because, you know, the league, just the league has been really tough for them. Like, I always, I always say that, like, look, the team needs investment because if you look at the, the way the Women's National League is going with the likes of Shamrock Rovers, Galway United invested this season and straight away they're competing you have Shells well everyone who Shells are to the defending champions and you've Peabody United I, when you look at teams like that that are, are playing football and then you expect let's say Cork City with the average age profile to go up against them there's a huge gulf in class like I remember I was up at the first game of the season against Shelburne in Tolka Park it was flag day for Shells and Fina Bradley came off the bench and caused a number of problems for Shells Shells brought a player off the bench who just came back from Celtic yeah. So you can kind of see there that like look the team needs investment and the league hasn't been fair but like there's a big difference between a bad team that hasn't you know when you look at a team that's just like look they're not playing well and all this and there's been some games where City are play like they haven't played well that, that that's natural in football but this team it's just they're essentially an under 19s team under or an under 19s under 21s team playing senior football and there's a huge step up there. Yeah, like you have you have the clubs in the women's Premier Division producing players for Ireland and uh, I don't know if anybody uh, has forgotten that Ireland were literally just at a World Cup a couple of weeks ago so that is like where you know the the Irish women's Premier Division is very competitive and uh, yeah like you said I suppose it, it might take uh, another year or two before Cork City do reach that level once again you see what worries me is and I wrote it actually in yesterday's echo is that's all well and good where we say okay this is going to come good in two years but if you're a player who's, let's say, 21 years old and you're still finishing in third from bottom of the league and you want to push on in your career, you you will yourself say, look, I need to move, move to another club here. Like, if you look at all the players who've left Cork City in the last five years, I'm going to use it as an example, they got to the cup final in 2020 and finished in, in the top half of the league. Saoirse Noonan went to Dublin to play for Shelburne. Amanda Budden, who would have been around the club in the last five or six years, she moved to Dublin. You have, was it Orla Casey last year? She went to Wexford Utes. So if any player needs to really progress themselves after spending a couple of years in the Cork City Academy or or in the first team, they will eventually move, which is a bit like, but Cork shouldn't be that. And it's my own personal opinion here, but like, this is the second biggest city in Ireland and they don't have a team competing in the top level of the women's primary division. Like, it just, it just needs investment. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point about players leaving. Uh, Dylan, great, great to chat to you. Um, some some doom and gloom but uh, some sparks of, of positivity as well there in that chat thanks a minute for joining us on the Big Red Bench ah, no problem at all thank you very much yeah great to chat to Dylan there plenty to talk about these days with, with Cork City not all of it's uh, very positive but uh, some positivity today with that win for Cork City in the uh, Women's FA Cup 5-0 versus Ternure. All right, we're going to go for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, have a quick look ahead. Of course, Callum uh, Walsh in action tonight, defending his belt in California. And, of course, Ireland uh, playing Samoa later on as well. Uh, Jack Crowley starting at 10. And it's uh, almost time for the Horizon Irish Open, so we're going to hear all about that as well. Don't go away. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. You're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. It's Aidan Lee here with you until 7 o'clock. And uh, it's full-time in Donnybrook. Leinster have beaten Munster 26-19 in the final round of games 
of the Women's Interprovincial Championship but it means that it sets up a big final um, at Musgrave Park next week it's going to be Leinster versus Munster and uh, certainly going to be an exciting one we'll have all the reaction here on the big red bench next week this evening uh, well fast approaching now half an hour away from throw in is the Divisional and College Hurling Championship final Immokilly facing Avondale Parky Rain from 7 the winner, of course, booking a place in the Premier Senior Quarter Final. And in the SE System Senior Camogie Championship, double header in Castle Road today. In the first game, it finished Ennis Keane, seven points, Cloud Dove, 113. And the second game sees St. Finbars up against St. Catherine's. Um, I think I might have thrown in slightly later than, than the half five uh, throwing that was down. Uh, it is St. Finbar's leading. They're leading quite well. It's 410 to seven points against St. Catherine. Uh, St. Catherine's, sorry. Um, so, yeah, a commanding lead for St. Finbar's in that one. Um, all right, half time in the Premier League. West Ham leading Brighton 1 0. Alan Lewis. Brighton nil, West Ham won the away side ahead at the break after Pakitar and Antonio had gone close. West Ham took the lead after a mistake at the back allowed Antonio to set up James Ward-Prowse for his first goal in a West Ham shirt. Brighton responded well though, Billy Gilmore twice close from distance while Evan Ferguson's shot was saved by Ariola. One piece of bad news for West Ham, Thomas Suchek has been forced off after a collision with the Brighton goalkeeper. But West Ham have never beaten Brighton in a Premier League game in 12 attempts. Could this be lucky number 13? Half time, it's Brighton nil, West Ham 1. Yeah, like I said before the break, be huge win, huge three points for West Ham. And uh, to stem that bit of momentum, hopefully Evan Ferguson will be able to, to make an impact on the game. Obviously starting up front for Brighton, first start of the season. Um, so yeah, and it was decided yesterday as well, uh, Deserby said it in his conference yesterday, that he was going to be starting. So uh, hopefully he can get, uh, be great if he got a goal, of course, one goal already this season. Uh, now, uh, big boxing uh, big boxing fight tonight and it's Cork's Callum Walsh going in search of his 8th straight win as a professional the Cove native defending his WBC silver super welterweight belt taking on Juan Jose Velasco in California if you missed it last week we had all the build up to this we had uh big uh, feature interviews with the legend that is Freddie Roach of course Callum's trainer and the man himself Freddie was on Saturday night Callum Walsh was on Sunday go back on redfm.ie or wherever you get your podcast the Big Red Bench uh, podcast to listen back to them uh, let's get you a few little clips though from that chat here is uh, Callum's trainer the legendary Freddie Roach on the show last week uh, talking about the upcoming fight against Velasco your confidence then I imagine he can defend his belt next week and move on uh, move forward from there yeah definitely yeah it, it just move, moving on is what we want to do and, you know when it win when title fights and uh, just start knocking these guys out and uh, he's getting better and better at it and uh you know, he has great sparring partners, and um, so it works out. It's working out very well, and he's his potential is is where right where I want to be at this moment. Yeah, and also spoke to Callum. As I said, here is what he had to say ahead of the big one tonight. Um, August twenty sixth is next up. Uh, Juan Jose Velasco. Is this a fight that'll take you out of your comfort zone? Do you think? Uh, hopefully, you know, nobody, nobody has uh, has done anything to me yet, really. So I hope he can. I hope he can do something. And if not, sure, how bad? I'll enjoy that as well. You know, if he can't, but if he can, yeah, you know, because I I look forward to a fight as well. You know what I mean? I look forward to to seeing where I'm at and you know showing people that I'm not just able to just go in and like when there's a bit of adversity, you know, I can overcome it. And I want to show people that too, but. If it's an easy fight, it's an easy fight, you know, happy days, I'll just get paid and I'll just go home and I'll, I'll train again, you know, I'll just get back in the gym and just start training. You're, you're confident of handling being outside your comfort zone, though, I, I, from, from, what I, from what I sense? Yeah, definitely, you know, sure. From the sparring that I have here in the wildcard, you know, I'm sparring with top-level fighters and sparring with world champions, you know, I'm sparring with the best. And obviously, they're not easy spares, so I'm, I'm used to it. So, But I'd be looking forward to showing people in a fight, you know, that I can do it, you know, if I have to. Yeah, and you can watch that fight tonight on UFC Fight Pass. So the very best of luck. Hopefully it'll be a win 
for the for uh, Callum Walsh King Callum Walsh of course tonight and Rory will have reaction I'm sure on the big red bench tomorrow here from 6pm alright the 2023 Horizon Irish Open takes place at the K Club in Straffin County Kildare from the 7th to the 10th of September local heroes uh, Rory McIlroy Shane Laurie Podrick Harrington and Seamus Power all headline a top class field Dennis Corwin spoke to Seamus Power and to some of the people involved in the organisation of one of Ireland's premier sporting events. Another huge crowd will descend on the K-Club from the 7th to the 10th of September to see some of the world's best golfers in the flesh at the Horizon Irish Open. Adrian Moronk became the first golfer from Poland to win on the DP World Tour when he landed this title at Mount Juliet 12 months ago. He will be back to defend his title. But the star attractions are Rory McIlroy, Shane Lowry and Podrick Harrington who have all experienced the joy of winning their home open in the past. Waterford's Seamus Power has yet to do so and he told me it's something he's dreamt about since working at the event as a volunteer at Photo Island. You grow up dreaming about it. Like, you know, we, I didn't grow up in a golfing family or anything, but I was so lucky that my golf club were volunteering when the Irish Open was in Photo Island and you were kind of on the the 13 tee that part three and you were just like I was just I was blown away by just seeing all the big names and Monty and all those guys coming through and just wanting to be a part of it and even seeing like the Irish guys playing back then how special it was and you know the more I've learned about golf the more I've gotten into golf and playing it myself it's just it, it's, it even highlights it even more how much you want to be a part of it it's it's different my last two Irish Opens have been so special to me like, it's just like playing in front of you know home home fans I, I obviously don't get it very often and it's amazing and Irish golf is, is in a great spot and seeing the support and stuff will be unbelievable and so hopefully getting contention here hopefully the crowd can kind of push you over the line It's a great venue obviously a Ryder Cup here in 2006 has hosted Irish Opens and it's hosted European Opens as well those last three holes are, they're a serious test you were just chatting about them there earlier yeah. they, they certainly make you stand up and take notice I think so I, like I think as finishes go it's amazing because you could finish I mean you could finish 3-3-3 three, 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 but you could go horribly wrong as well and I think that's, a, that's what you're looking for in the finish and yeah I think it's amazing I mean obviously the, the backdrop of the 18 right here beside and we remember that shot Rory hit in was that 16 or 17 and like things like that can happen but yeah you're going to earn you're going to earn the win here in the finish and it's something you'd love to have a chance of and uh, you know come Sunday afternoon but a lot of work to do before between now and then but that's, that's going to be the goal to give myself a chance there with those three holes left The K Club that hosted the 2006 Ryder Cup is one of Ireland's foremost golfing venues and they will host the Horizon Irish Open once again Paul Heary General Manager of the K Club says hosting a big tournament is a significant undertaking but they're well prepared for it. It's hugely exciting to uh, have a huge tournament on our doorstep again. The K-Club has hosted some wonderful tournaments in the past and we're going to continue that. We look forward to it. And our owner, Michael Featherston, who purchased the property, it was one of his objectives to, to have uh, tournaments back at the K-Club. And uh, it really is a tournament venue and, and that's what we're going to do now in a few weeks' time is, is have the Horizon Irish Open back at the K-Club. What's involved from the club perspective in terms of getting a venue right and getting everything in place for such a big event? There's a, there's a bit to it but that's what it, it takes the team, it takes everybody around the, the resort to help with that but I guess it's the it's the planning, it's the preparation it's the investment that needs to go into it, the infrastructure uh, and not forgetting like you know it takes the community around the area to support it as well because there's a little bit of disruption uh, throughout that week so we need, we need everybody involved and everybody aligned but for the team at the K-Club it's, uh, it's just fine tuning it and, and uh, getting the resort looking as, as good as it can be. You were involved in the launch as well of Adair Manor and Adair has become one of the, the top destination resorts worldwide now. It's a, it's it's in absolutely stunning condition but it's great to be able to bring that experience here to the K-Club because you can see around you that the K-Club is now being restored back to the, the terrific golf course that it once was. I guess the K-Club was once Adair Manor back 30 odd years ago so yeah we're, we're slowly starting to get back into that position and, and work on our brand. The brand that the K-Club is very strong. Everybody knows it. The Horizon Irish Open aims to raise funds for their charity partner, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Their CEO, Susan Dwyer, says funds raised will be of huge benefit to children and their families. We were chosen as their official charity partner last year and last year raised just over €120,000. The target this year is actually to raise 250000 So This is transformative for the charity. Make-A-Wish grants wishes to children 
with life-threatening medical conditions. These wishes mean the world to them. All of the families are kind of going through a living hell. And when a child tells us what their wish is, and we're actually able to fulfill that, you can see the magic, you can see the smile on the child's face, and not just the child, but the entire family. So the money raised at this event will actually make an enormous impact on those children, because we have over 250 children on our waiting list. Tournament director Paul Gilman says tickets for the event are very much in demand and they aim to provide a great day out for everyone who attends the Horizon Irish Open. Uh, absolutely, and, and one of our sort of you know, key features this year is to to make it accessible to more than just the golf fan. We want to we want to attract a you know younger demographic. We want families to turn up. We want kids to be engaged. We've got a variety of activities that hopefully will will sell the message that you know it's a day out for the family. Bring, bring your kids down, bring everyone down. There's something for everyone uh, and, you know, and the golf fan will get you know, a, a truly world-class golf field as well. It's a great course from the point of view that it does create a, a great finish here. Like the finishing holes here are quite tough. 16, a very interesting par 5. You've got 17 along the river and, and 18 over water. So uh, water comes into play on, on nearly every hole in the finishing stretch. It, it makes for great tournament golf and great for spectating. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Seamus uh, spoke about it a little bit earlier. The, the approach shot into 16, the 17th is you know hugely challenging and, uh, and then 18 you know with the water on the left it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be spectacular and I think you know all the players are going to relish the challenge Another venue with their sights set on an Irish Open in the future is Killeen Castle in County Meath Killeen Castle hosted the 2011 Solheim Cup their marketing manager Karen Collins says that like the K Club they have worked hard to restore themselves to their former glory and they hope to host some more big golfing events in the future Killeen Castle is built on a 600 acre estate with a magnificent 12th century castle located on its grounds. Jack Nicholas Signature Championship Golf Course. It was officially opened in 2008. We had the privilege of hosting the 2011 uh, Salham Cup and then three Ladies Irish Opens in 10, 11 and 12. So we've seen some fantastic changes and developments um, on the estate over the recent years. Um, we have now uh, lodge accommodation um, to offer on site to our guests. We've seen the development of a dare manor which is like obviously on a, on a completely different scale. It's it's quite extraordinary. The K Club itself is due to host an Irish Open in the next couple of weeks, and you know that is being restored to its kind of former glory. Killeen Castle, when it started up, you know again you got the Solheim Cup, but you never really got the kick on from that mm-hmm. that possibly you probably deserved at that time. I imagine now, Karen, the plan is to try and get the resort back up to the level that you were hoping it would reach at a certain point back in the early 2010s. The economy obviously did have an impact on the development of the whole estate and uh, the plans that were, you know, afoot at that point in time. So we're very much back on target. Um, We very much have plans to host such similar events as the Ladies Irish Open and indeed a a men's major to put us back on the map. Um, It is a very fitting uh, venue for the hosting of a golf event of that nature we know the standard of golf course that we have by way of presentation course condition and um, that we are the perfect fit it's a 600 acre estate so space is not an issue here uh, we have helipads we have the lodge accommodation to offer we have ample car parking availability so that is very much in the pipeline um, conversations and uh, discussions are being had um, so i would say watch this space yeah, hopefully John Murphy can finish strong tomorrow, of course, only six shots off the lead at the Czech Open ahead of the Irish Open in just a couple of weeks' time. All right, let's turn our attention now to uh, Ireland versus Samoa and uh, some news coming in on that as well. Keith Earls has pulled out of the match. Um, uh, Keith Earls withdrawn from Ireland's final World Cup, World Cup warm-up game against Samoa in Bayonne. Um, it's a precautionary measure. Uh, that's what Andy Farrell has said anyway he's described it as a minor niggle Jason, Jacob Stockdale has been called up to start in the left wing Earls' injury is not expected to endanger his chances of being chosen to compete in his fourth World Cup when the squad of 33 players is announced tomorrow at half four of course um, and uh, yeah it's 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 I suppose interesting to see this game then you know has Andy Farrell already picked that squad can anybody do anything tonight against Samoa to make their way in their hope Hopefully Jack Crowley can at out half. Um, so it's certainly going to be an interesting game. 
to see where guys are at. Uh, it's very much a changed side. Let's hear from the man himself, Andy Farrell, head of Ireland versus Samoa this evening. And of course, just two weeks out from the World Cup in France. Absolutely. Can you just tell us the very latest you have on Dan Sheen, please? Uh, he's good. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a, a sprain, a sprain in his uh, in in his foot, in a ligament in his foot. Um, better to be expected. We expect him to be um, fit for for the World Cup. Sorry, just dropped off there at the se- at the last second, Andy. Um, a sprain in the foot. I mean, that can be. That, that can take quite some time to heal. How- no, no, I'll say it again to repeat it. Um, a sprain his foot, better, to be, better than expected, should be fit for the World Cup. Absolutely, oh, that's great. So you yeah. could, all going well, he'll be fit for selection for Romania next week. We'll see how he progresses over the, over the coming weeks, but as I, as I said, with all injuries, with all injuries, you, you see how they develop over, over the period of time, don't you? So, uh, but we expect him to be fit for the World Cup. What's your message to the players, uh, the likes of uh, Tom Short and Stuart McCluskey tomorrow? What's your specific message to players like that who are, are, are fighting very hard to, to get a place on the plane? Uh, there's no message. There's no message. The, the messages have been over the last 10 weeks of how we prepare to be the best team that you possibly can be. How you uh, adjust and adapt to that is, 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 is the pressures of playing top top level rugby. So they've they, they, they know that and they'll, they'll push forward with that in mind. Hey Andy, how's it going? Great, thanks you. It's good, getting used to this, getting used to this again. Um, listen, I just want to ask you two questions. Um, we're all debating, I'm sure the debate's going on yourselves, but our big one is the, the, the 1914 split or the 1815 split. Is that keeping you up at night as well? Like the idea of like, and I know it's always that when it gets down to the kind of final calls, you know how tough no, is that? Really, no, not really. No, we're we're pretty pretty clear on that. Uh, um, but having said that, you know, there's there's a few more days, isn't there, for moving parts, etc. So um, we'll we'll adapt to that. But we've been pretty clear from the start of of, of what we want because it's all different. We're different personnel, we're different teams. You know, you've got to do what what's right to fit your group. Um, and then I wanted to ask you, just like like we won't have seen it, Lane Ronan Callagher playing. Like uh, you spoke at the weekend, saying you're not too worried about him. Are you still in that position with him? And then just wanted to kind of ask you as well about Stockdale and, and Frawley because they're not involved. Are they still in the mix as well? Well, we haven't selected the squad yet, so everyone's still in the mix. There's a uh, there's a, a good few days to go in, in that regard. But um, as far as uh, Ronan's concerned, he's 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 he's. He's doing great. He's, he's flying around the place at this moment in time. Uh, this week, you know, if it was at a push for, for him to say it was a, a World Cup semi-final, a World Cup final, I'm sure that we could have got him over the line this week, but there's no need to do that. So he's, um, he's, uh, he's in good spirits. Perfect. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Just wanted to ask you one about uh, Tom Stewart. Obviously, it's a big step up for him being his first start. What have you liked from what you've seen from so far and... What are you expecting on Saturday? Um, I like everything. Uh, I, I, well, I certainly like most things. What I've seen, I've seen a, a determined young man that's willing to um, trying to understand first and foremost of what it takes to 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 thrive in a, an international environment. And it's tough for, for a young kid coming in, especially in, in that in that type of position. But he, he's certainly done that. He's um, He's a determined kid that quietly goes about his job, but he um, he certainly puts a lot of confidence in, uh, in in into the coaching staff and the rest of his teammates by the way that he prepares, etc. So, hoping that transfers. Um, I suppose that's the main thing. Uh, just being himself at the weekend, you know, because he's a uh, he's a good player. Just a quick one on Samoa. I think you've, you've described elements of the performances against Italy and England as clunky. Where are the sort of areas you, you want to? to see improvement uh, on Saturday night? Well, I think we got better, in, in, certainly in the second game. Um, uh, scored some fantastic tries. Consistency, isn't it? You know, that's what that's why we're playing the warm-up games, to make sure that we get a bit of the rust out, etc., and show some pictures to one another, what's acceptable and what's not. So we're here to to take a step forward in, in, in our development as a team. Hi, Andy. Um, I'm just assuming that everybody gets fit at the same rate. 
So some people are behind and some people are forward. So could I specifically ask you about Tyg Byrne? Um, you selected him to play. Um, is he a little bit behind? I just noticed he didn't touch the ball for 60 minutes. And I will say he was defensively brilliant last week. He was, yeah. He didn't. He actually didn't touch the ball for a long, long time. Is is Tyg a little bit behind, and that's why he's there? Or what's no, the, what's no, the he's definitely not behind. He's had a fantastic preseason. Um, if Tyg didn't get the ball, or or he looked like he's behind to you, it, there must be good reason for that. Um, as in, because when I watched the video back, he was always in position. So maybe some, somebody didn't give him the ball, Derek. But he's. Uh, He's in fine form. He's he's grown massively as a leader within the group this summer, um, and uh, he's in the side this this week because there's always a blend, isn't there, between experience and and, and helping people out who's 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 been given a chance, etc. And he would want to be one of those leaders that's in that type of bracket. Yeah. Just um, quick one, Andy. Just about um, how pleased were you with Tyg Furlong? I know for the last while that he had problems with ankle, calf, and then in the Champions Cup final, you know, he didn't train the day before, and then he, he, he just lasted into the second half. Was that a relief on any level to get him through, like, 57 very tough minutes against England? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of minutes in comparison to what he's done over the last six months. He, um, he, he was minding his uh, injuries coming into camp, and... and uh, we slowly built him into pre-season, etc. And since he's got back with us uh, full-time basis, he's, he's never missed a beat. So keeping him going after the Italy game into the England into, into the England game and getting so many minutes out of him was uh, was fantastic for us all. Well, just one quick one. What do you make of their co-captain, Michael Ala Alatoa? Um, he's he's at Leinster. He's done well. He's settled in very well and, and, and improved, if you like. He settled in very well, were. Atlanta. Oh, he's been fantastic. Yeah, he's uh, he's a he's a great player, and uh, you know, captain in the side, etc. It was Samoa says everything about him. You know that the the type of uh, professional that he is, and the respect that he's got from his peers, and that's what I hear from uh, from from the Leinster boys. Uh, also, you know, he's a he's a, a great player with a lot of experience. Oh, what a goal that's just been scored by Michael Antonio! Unbelievable. It's three 0 now. Jared Bourne had doubled their lead just a couple of seconds ago Michael Antonio's got this ball on the turn and buried it it is a superb finish really really good it's a big shock West Ham 3 Brighton nil, especially at the Amex as well um, oh, the one thing I was hoping uh, it wouldn't happen is happening they're behind on time at the World Athletics Championships the the, uh, the first heat's only going off now so uh, probably won't make uh, make it there for the uh, second heat Ireland of course going in the next couple of minutes in heat 2 in the 4 by 400 metres women's relays no Rashid Azaleke unfortunately just had to pull out to mind herself I suppose really um, but yeah 3-0 to West Ham there. Uh, let's get a quick update on some of the other scores in the FAI Women's Cup. Obviously, Cork City winning 5-0 earlier against Heron Yor. Elsewhere, Piedmont beat Treaty United 3-2 after extra time. Wexford Utes and Dealer Waves have gone to penalties at the UCD Bowl. Telestadium um, sees Shamrock Rovers leading Kilester, Donny Carney 4-0 in the second half. And they've just kicked off in the final game of the day where Athlone Town are hosting Galway United. Roy McIlroy solo seventh on the leaderboard as he prepares for his third round of the Tour Championship at Eastlake in Atlanta. He'll tee off from 10 under par just before half seven. Six shots off the lead. Colin Marcoa and Victor Hovland sharing it. All right, that is uh, it for us. Um, was hoping to finish off the show with uh, with with some running commentary, quite literally, of uh, <laughs> that 4 by 400 metres relay. Uh, but unfortunately... They're uh, behind time, and and they've uh, they've uh, caught me off guard. But uh, that is it for us. You can listen back to this show on the Big Red Bench uh, podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts on redfm.ie Rory is going to be along tomorrow from 6pm and uh, he'll have a roundup of all the day's action also Stevie G is up here on the way next with the block party uh, thanks for listening and uh, best of luck to Ireland in that 4 by 400 meter relay heat The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM